Thank you for joining us on the Access Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message from this week's guest speaker. Hey, I want to start by um, just saying thank you for allowing me. Alan, he's sitting here. He's going to come up in a minute and share some stuff with you. Um, but I want to start by just saying a couple things about Kurt and Lindsay. I had a chance to meet them this summer. I had a chance to speak to the staff here up in uh, Traverse City, I think we were, and got to play cornhole with them. Me and my wife played cornhole. They beat us. That's not real nice. But I just want to say that uh, he's a, a guy who loves you guys, and I know you enjoy his preaching and their ministry with you, and you probably don't get a chance to thank them as a group, but would you thank them for what they do to serve you and to help you? And It's pretty awesome. Love it. So we're going to go at this thing a little bit different, so hang with me right from the beginning. I realize we're going to talk about uh, dating, mating, and relating. Dating, fun. Mating, funner. You shouldn't know that yet, but I'm just telling you it's funner. And then relating, tough. The dating and mating sounds great. The relating, the figuring each other out, now that is challenging. So on Tuesday night, I uh, was up in Muskegon. I was invited to speak in a prison there, about 400 guys, all men. And uh, I started thinking after I'd spoken to them, had a great time with all these guys. Again, they're in prison. Many of them will be there many more years. I I talked to a guy who was 26. He went in when he was 17, and he had 16 years left. And I want to tell you something about every guy I met in that prison. Listen listen very carefully because this is going to make sense. It's going to come full circle here. When they were 10, they didn't plan on doing that. When they were 10, they never thought, I'll be giving up many years of my life in this prison. I want to explain something to you. Because some of you tonight, and certainly I'm not saying they're in prison, but some of you have grown up in a home where you saw a mom and a dad, or maybe you just saw one in a single home, but they don't have the relationship that you would like to have when you're their age. You follow what I'm saying? They didn't plan on that when they were 10. And tonight sitting here, I I realize a few of you are married. I realize that. But for most of you who are dating, thinking about dating, possibly considering dating, you think in your mind, I will not have a bad marriage. There's no way you guys are thinking tonight, you know, When I'm 80, I want to be able to look back and just see the hell I live through. You do not plan on that. You think, I'm going to get married and it's going to rock and roll. So what I'm going to do here tonight is kind of different. I'm going to ask you to imagine it's like late in your life, okay? Fast forward to late in your life. And I want you to do me a favor. In your mind, I want you to look back at yourself when you were younger, the age you are now. And I want you to imagine in your mind, what will I want to have said my relationship was like? Some of you will never get married. Probably over 90% of you will. In our society right now, over 90%. So I'm asking you, look look back at you. You're 80, okay? Look back. What do you want people to say about you at 80? Well, what do you want them to say about your relationships? None of you, none of you in your mind are going, I want them to go, that's awful. None of you are planning on your kids saying this, like when they go to a counselor, I just don't want what my parents have. You, you, none of y'all plan on that. And let me just say to you, your parents didn't plan on that either. Some of you grew up in a really tough home. Some of you grew up in single-parent homes. Your parents didn't plan on being single parents. So tonight, what I'm going to try to do is show you from God's Word what you need to be kind of seeking and thinking about. And then Alan, who's only been married a little over a year, is going to come up and give some perspective on what it was like to go from not being married to being married and some adjustments and things he's been through. And I want to kick it off by telling you, and some of you know in Romans there's a scripture verse that I don't take out of context when I say to you, it says there, love must be sincere. If you guys are thinking about getting into a relationship, I want you to know if you're here, any of you here Sunday morning, I talked a little bit about 
sex. Um, I fell in love with my wife over lust. No question about it. I, if you weren't here, I, the first time I saw my wife, it was from this angle. And um, she was not my wife, but I liked what I saw. So I fell in lust. I did not fall in love. And some of y'all are here tonight, and you came to lust. You didn't come to love. Let's just face it. It's true. And the Bible says, if you're really going to find out what relationships are like, love must be sincere. And then I use this passage when I do a lot of weddings. I always talk about 1 Corinthians 13. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not self-seeking. So what I'm going to do is I want to give you a few little tips on things that I kind of would say to you, be careful of this. Uh, I don't have any question that you guys will figure relationships out in terms of moving it forward, etc. What I want to do tonight is more give you some ideas and thoughts that I believe you need to remember when it comes to relationships and your relationships. The first one I want to say is a really big one to me. Don't force, listen to this, these little thoughts are going to come up on the screen. Don't force your will into God's will. So I, so I was with this guy the other day. He's not your age. He's a little older. And he came to me and he said, he's married. This guy is married. And he said to me, Dan, the Lord kind of woke me up and he, and he gave me a real clear vision. He has told me real, real, real clearly I am to leave my wife and to marry this other woman I've kind of fallen in love with. I laughed. I said, I want to tell you who you, you must have woke up and seen the devil. That was not God. Because I want to tell you something. Listen to me. It's, about, it's true about every one of us here. When you want something really bad, you'll figure out how, how to get God to get on your side to get that. Be careful. You will find that if you're really in God's will, love is not self-seeking. It won't be about you. A lot of you... Um, Instead of trying to find the right person, you need to be the right person. You need to get healthy in your own life. You need to make sure when you look into a relationship, you're asking the question, would I be somebody that would be healthy for this person to marry? Could, could they benefit from having me in their life? That's what, not, will I get what I need off him or her? Is that the person that will make me happy? That's not the question. The question is, can I be the person that person might need to fulfill their life? And see, that's looking at it more from a giving God perspective. Some of y'all in here right now might be... Um, might be trying to make a relationship happen because either you like how good they look, um, you like how getting, in, getting into a relationship with that person is going to advance you a little bit in some society, things you're going to take a step up the ladder. That's not healthy. That might not be God's will. And I would say to you, you need to put God's will first. You need to be willing to submit and say, hmm. And here, the, the second point ties right into it. This is a really good one. Watch this. Here it comes. If your friends and the family who have loved you for many, many years have red flags, then you need to throw up the white flag. You say, I am not giving my parents control. That, that's not, if you read that up there, sorry, you missed what I said. Generally speaking, your friends who have loved you for a long time are trying to keep you from getting hurt. But see, again, your will will trump that. You'll go, y'all don't get it. I'm going to change this person. Don't use dating as mission field. It's not healthy. But it might be tonight that some of you are pursuing a relationship that you know you you will not right now go and ask the people who truly love you how they feel about it. You don't want to know. And if it, listen to me. If you don't want to know, red flag. Red flag. I'm all too familiar with this. I, I have a daughter who did that sort of thing. We were throwing red flags right and left. Alan was throwing them. I was throwing and she was going, but I'm fine. Well, it didn't work out. She got very hurt. Here, here's what I'm trying to tell you tonight. Can, can I just tell you this? God and me, we don't want to see you get hurt. 
I'm telling you this because I care about you. I'm not telling you because I don't want you to have a relationship. I'm telling you because I want you to have a healthy relationship. I want it to be a God-honoring relationship. I want it to be a relationship that's pure and holy and brings glory to the one who created you. So just at least be willing to consider that option of throwing up the what maybe tonight you say i'm going to stop pursuing that because i dan down deep i know this is not god's will and it's not healthy for me and though i really 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 want it i'm not going to pursue it maybe you came tonight to hear that maybe you just saved yourself by becoming one of those statistics that's called single parent life Third little thing I would throw up to you is this. As you run toward Christ, look right and left. Date the people you see running in the same direction. Did you hear that? Don't pursue relationships or date people who aren't running toward God. If they're running the other direction, wave at them and say, Hey, y'all need to go to access, but other than that, leave them alone. Because I, I, if I could say this in a nice way, I mostly see girls who do what I call missional dating. I'm going to bring him into the kingdom. I tell you, why don't you pray him into the kingdom and leave him alone? It's not good for you. It's not healthy for you. I've always told my children that. You, you say, Dan, you, you mean to tell me if your kid wanted to date someone of another? Yeah, mm-hmm. I've never had an issue with my children dating different race. No problem. Because I said to them, all I need to know is you're running toward God and you're looking right and left. If you're dating people who are running toward God, I'm really good with that relationship. Because that's a potentially healthy relationship. And when you're running toward God you will find that that is the most important thing and it's got to stay that way. I've been married 33 years. My relationship with Jesus is more important than my relationship with Jane. Okay? And you got to get why when you're dating, you got to go ahead and get that figured out because if the person you're chasing is not running toward God and you start chasing them, you will get further from God. Not healthy. Not good for you. You said, Dan, I didn't think you was going to come and tell us a bunch of don'ts. I'm not. I'm coming to tell you a bunch of helps. These are little pointers that are positive. And, and again, because some of you haven't seen good, healthy relationships, I have a dream that tonight you will leave here and get out of unhealthy relationships and only build healthy ones. Because I, 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 this is what I do for a living, guys. I travel around the country and speak about marriage. I don't want to see y'all in the counseling center. I want you to figure this stuff out beforehand. Another little thing, and Alan's going to come up in a second and talk about this one, is you can't rush. I think this is the next point. You can't rush maturity. Don't be offended. I need to tell y'all something. Do y'all remember when y'all, nobody here is in high school, right? Okay, yeah, you hope not. Yeah, yeah. If you did, you snuck in and we got to card you. But um, here's what I want to know. Do you remember when you were in high school how important all that stuff and that drama? Do you, do you remember how big the shirt you had on, how important and the length of your shorts? And, I mean, do you remember how huge that stuff was? And then you graduate from high school and you sit and you go, oh, that is so old. That's so trivial. So silly. They're so silly. You kind of make fun of high schoolers. Oh, good grief. I'm not in high school anymore. Watch this. Listen to me. Older people now look at you and go, oh, they just don't get it. (laughs) You guys are their high schoolers. And here's what I've I've discovered is you can't rush maturity. The other day I was talking to my daughter, Anna, and I said to her, Anna, I'm going to tell you something you don't understand. You can't understand what I'm about to tell you. Alan drives me nuts. I say the same thing to Alan. Here's what my kids say back to me. Well, Dad, if I can't understand it, why are you telling me? And one of the things I want to tell you tonight is this. You might have an idea, because probably about 10% of you are those people that you, you know a lot. You're very intelligent. And you're, you're listening to me going, okay, he's like an 80% right, but I know the other 20. I mean, you know, you just know a lot. You can't know certain things until you've matured to that level. You can't know what marriage is like 
until you're married. You say, oh, I do. I, I was with a lady. I, I played golf with a professional golfer last week, and she was 30, and she was not married, but she proceeded to tell me everything that was correct about marriage so that I would understand it better. And the whole time, I never looked at her, but the whole time I was wanting to go. It's like, can you just be quiet? You don't know what you're talking. You're not married. In fact, you're not even dating. You, you can't know some of that stuff. And so I would just say to you tonight, do I tell you that? No, I'm telling you that. Just keep an open, soft, teachable heart. So that if somebody shares something with you out of maturity, you go, that's really good. You know, every now and then I'll go sit with people, I really do this, who are 70 and 80. And I'll just sit with them and say, tell me some things I don't know yet. They love to do it. If you ever say that to an 80, tell me some stuff I don't know. They're like, oh, baby, I've been waiting for this. You know what I mean? But it's because they've got some maturity that we don't know about. And when you have a willing spirit to hear that, it'll really help you. Alan, come on up, Alan. Alan's been married a little over a year. And so he's at a place now where he can talk a little bit about marriage from having experienced it. So I told him, when I get to this part about rushing maturity, I want you to kind of talk. Some people here are married, obviously. Some of you aren't. And so listen to these thoughts as Alan shares them. Well, yeah, like my dad said, uh, my wife and I, we got married about a year and a half ago. And so I've been looking back, and she and I have been talking and, and thinking about what I could share with you tonight about some of the things that we've learned in our first year and a half of marriage, some things that we weren't prepared for, some things that we didn't really necessarily expect. And so I want to share a couple of those things with you. But first, uh, before I, wanna, I do that, I want to tell you a little scientific study that I found. Now, if you're not into science, just hang with me. It's boring for a second, but it'll be worth it. And um, I shared this in a Wednesday night service at Res. If you were there, you've heard it. Uh, but I think most people in here haven't, so I think it's going to fit really well. Uh, there, in the 1970s, divorce started to become really a lot more popular, a lot more regular. It was happening, and uh, families were being broken apart. And so there were some scientists, some psychologists, sociologists that wanted to study the effect that divorce was having on kids, that divorce was having on the people going through it. And then there were a couple people who wanted to discover what led to divorce, and so in the 80s, there was a study. People went and they sat down with couples who were newly married or who were just about to get married. And they asked them to talk about what they were doing, uh, the things that they had recently been through that were tough conflicts. And they wanted them to tell them how they met. So this is just regular conversation type stuff. But because they were scientists, while these couples were talking about these things, they hooked them up to a bunch of monitors so that they could measure their blood pressure, their heart rate, and the amount of sweat that their body produced while they were sitting and talking about these things. So what they did, they decided that after this study was done, they didn't want to make any judgment because they had no idea what all these results meant. So they met up with these couples six years later, and they found out where they were in their relationships. And they grouped these couples into two categories. They're scientists, so they weren't all that creative. Uh, one group they called the masters, and the other group they called the disasters, right? Yeah, that's kind of, you know, they're scientists, you got to give them a break. So once they did that, they found that these masters, they were people who were in healthy relationships six years later, who had a deep respect and love for one another. And the people that were in this disaster category, some of their marriages had actually already ended by six years after the first time they met them. Some of them were just in really dysfunctional situations. They didn't get along. They didn't respect and appreciate each other. And so knowing what group each of these couples fell into, they went back and studied all the tests that they did about their blood pressure and their heart rate and the sweat they were, their bodies were producing. And they found that the people who were sitting right next to each other, they couldn't tell from talking to them and looking at them, but they found that the people who were in this category of disaster while they were sitting next to this person they were about to marry or they had just married, even though they looked calm, they looked regular on the outside, inside, their bodies were in fight-or-flight mode. 
They were sweating way more than the other people. Their heart rate was elevated. Their blood pressure was through the roof because even though they were just sitting having a conversation, they were ready to be attacked at any moment by this person who they were about to devote their life to. And they were ready to attack back if they needed to. And what they found is that because their, their heart rates were elevated, they were a lot more likely to be aggressive. And so after they found this out, they decided, okay, well, that's kind of helpful, but it doesn't exactly tell us how couples get to this spot in their relationship. So they set up this little bed and breakfast type place, and they told people they were subjects of the experiment, but they let couples come and stay there, and they watched how they interacted with each other whether it was while they're making breakfast, sitting there having a cup of coffee, reading a book, looking out at the nature, whatever they were doing, the scientists were there and they're taking notes and they're observing. And what they found is the people whose relationships were healthy, who were in this master category, they found that when one spouse would try to get the other one's attention, whatever it was about, they gave an example of like one guy, he really loved Uh, watching and and photographing birds and they were sitting there reading a book and he looked out the window and he's trying to tell his wife about this bird and she had a choice to either do what all of us have the choice of hey I'm not really interested in birds I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing right or just totally ignore the guy or she could say hey birds aren't really my thing but yeah let's take a look at it together And they found that the biggest thing that separated these couples, the masters, the healthy relationships, 87% of the time when one of the couples made a bid for the other's attention, their spouse or their partner gave them their attention and was excited to engage in what they wanted to talk about. The disasters over here, only 33% of the time. And most of you, like we've been talking about, are in the dating stage or early, not even quite in that stage yet. But if you see yourself moving past that, moving into seriously dating, getting engaged, moving into a married situation in the future, what you have to understand is that at test one, This stuff wasn't really having that huge of an impact on these relationships. All these couples were excited to be together. They were looking forward to it. But what they found is that over time, just six years, these little tiny things that don't seem like they make that big of a deal were the difference between healthy and unhealthy, between masters and disasters. And so I want to share with you a few of the things that my wife and I that I think are pretty connected to this study have learned in our first year and a half of marriage. Um, We've learned a little bit how to put that into practice. See, she is into a lot of stuff that I'm into, but she's also into a lot of stuff that I'm not. She loves looking on Pinterest because she's huge into like, yeah, she's huge into fashion and she loves sewing and she loves doing like Uh, collages and all this different stuff. And I'm not really into it. My dad's laughing because I'm not into that stuff, you know? And so we'll be sitting there doing, I'm doing my thing. She's doing her thing. And she'll stop me throughout the course of the afternoon and say, hey, Alan, check this out. What do you think of this? And she calls, she doesn't say shirt. She says whatever it's supposed to be, you know? And, uh, (laughs) And what I realize is she's not asking me hey, Alan, do you care about the shirt that I'm showing you on Pinterest? She's asking me, hey, Alan, do you care about me? And so what we've tried to build into our relationship is that even in these spots where we don't have shared interests, even in these spots where I would never sit down and look up clothes and look up collages and stuff like that, we spend time looking at that stuff together because... I care about what she cares about. Now, she's not the only person boring someone in our relationship. I love, love, love NBA basketball. So I had a couple years ago, I went out to visit my brother. He's in Philadelphia. And I actually planned the week I went out to visit him 
based on what games Philly had over the course of the season. So I picked a week that we'd both be excited to go to these games. That's how much I like it. So I talked to my wife about the new contracts that are being signed in the NBA, about the trades that are happening, about the stats. I can, I'll tell her, oh, this guy, his stats are pretty good compared to this other guy. And I know she doesn't care. But she tried, sometimes she even remembers a couple of the random names. I'm like, hey, you really love me because you hate this stuff. It's boring. But because you care about me, you care about this. That's one way over the course of this last year and a half as we've been married and figuring out what this looks like to love each other well because we sincerely both want our marriage, six years from now, 20 years from now, however many years we stay alive from now, to fall into the master category and not the disaster category. And showing that we care about each other by caring about what each other cares about is a huge piece of that. Another thing that, that as she and I talked about this year and a half in, what have we learned Uh, we learned that affirming each other takes a lot more creativity now than it did early on. Because when we first met, everything we were learning about each other was new and exciting. It's like, oh, you like that kind of music? I kind of like that kind of music too. That's so odd. I never thought I'd share that with somebody. And, you know, I told you I'm talking about this boring scientific experiment. I didn't find that researching for a sermon. I found it just because that boring stuff is exciting to me. And it's exciting to my wife, too. When, when I first told her about it, she was sitting there, no, tell me more. I'm, that's all. Can you tell me where I can read about that myself? That's weird, right? Nobody, nobody finds that. But I found that. I found this partner who cares about that stuff as much as I do. And now, years into our relationship, it's not less awesome that we share that in common, but it's not surprising anymore to me. So I don't spend a whole lot of time talking about, hey, baby, I I just want to say thanks a lot for being someone I can talk to about this stuff because I don't find a lot of people like that. And when we connect on different levels, we're not shocked on all this brand new stuff that we're learning about each other. So we've had to get intentional and creative about how we affirm one another. And as you're further into a relationship, you'll find that that takes a lot more being intentional because you're not being surprised about these new and exciting things. But it's just as important for her to hear how affirmed and how valued she is to me. And it's just as important for me to hear that stuff from her. That need doesn't go away just because we're familiar with each other and we've been together for a while. Uh, The third thing that we've really learned is in the midst of conflict, we need to remember that we're on the same team. Because it's not a matter of if you have conflict in a relationship, it's, it's a matter of when. And what we've found is that for me, I'm a verbal processor. So when something goes wrong, when she's been hurt or when I've been hurt, what I wanna do is I want to sit and I want to talk about every single aspect of it. I want to talk about the exact thing that was said and the exact way that that made me feel and why it made me feel that way. And if it would have been a little different, how it would have made me feel instead, I want to talk about all that stuff. And for her, in those moments, she wants to say, okay, what happened? How can we avoid it? What do we do next time? Stop talking about it. Right? So you see, we have like conflict on top of conflict. And so what happens in those moments is if we're not careful, it's easy to think that she's trying to do something to hurt me extra. And it's easy for her to think that I'm trying to do something to hurt her extra on purpose. And sometimes in the middle of that conflict, we stop and we look at each other and we say, hey, look, I say to her, I say, Annalise, I, I know that you are on the same side as me. I know that what you want and what I want is to figure out how to 
be together like this, not to be like this. And we sit down and we understand and we talk about the fact that we're going for the same thing. We're going for harmony and unity and we want to move past this conflict and be stronger for it. But when we both come at it from these different ways, in the moment when I'm hurt or in the moment when she's hurt, it's so easy to forget that. And it's so easy to make it about who wins in this case, who did the wrong thing, and how are you going to fix yourself so that you don't do that anymore because I was innocent and right the whole time. And that's totally the wrong way to approach conflict when you're on the same team. And what I hope is that some of you here tonight uh, in any of these categories, in a spot where uh, you're figuring out how to value each other by valuing what's important to, you, to your partner. Whether you're in a spot of figuring out how to affirm someone that you care about, but you've kind of let that slide. You haven't reminded them of that as often as you need to. Or whether you need to get on the same page of understanding that conflict is not you against each other, but it's you working together to get past something. And it's my hope that if, if you're in any of those spots tonight, that when you leave here, you get on the same page. You agree and say, hey, we don't want to be in this category of disasters who look fine on the outside, but inside me just sitting next to you fills me with so much tension and so much anxiety and so much frustration because I don't know where the next attack is coming from. And if you can get that out of your relationship and get that out of your lives um, and continue to move into this respectful, loving, give-and-take relationship, um, the really cool thing about that is not that people go, hey, wow, you have a really great marriage. It's that people see God reflected in the way that you treat one another. And that's the goal. That's what our lives are all about, pointing people toward him. And so I'm hopeful that if you're here tonight and you're married or you're moving toward it, that you got a couple tips that can help you in your marriage relationship to look more like what Jesus has called us to. Thank you, Alan. Real life stuff, real marriage stuff, year and a half into it. And those are pointers that you can take and just apply to your life. The next little thing that's coming up on the screen is the one I want to kind of finish with. I want you to value spiritual fusion over a quick hookup. Two percent of couples who attend church, couples, married couples, two percent of them pray together. Two percent. 100% of those people go to church. 2% of them pray together. When I talk to people who are married, when I have a couple like you guys who come to me and say, Dan, we're getting engaged. Just had it happen two weeks ago. They come into my office. Dan, we're engaged. We're going to get married. We're meeting and we're doing all this stuff. And we're going, we're, we're, here's what I say to them. Okay, I'm going to start a habit with you. Now that you've chosen the person you're going to be married to, I'm going to start you into a habit and for the next six months, if they're waiting six months away, I want you to begin every day praying together. Because I want to help people who are moving toward marriage understand that spiritual fusion to becoming one is the most important thing you'll do. The spiritual fusion is the most... Look, look, look at this. I've been married 33 years. I've talked about marriage. I've told stories about me i have i've been married i have four children but the greatest single thing my wife and i ever started doing together was praying i was a pastor at a church and i was not doing it the lord showed me it was wrong i began to pray with jane I, i prayed with her this morning we prayed on the phone today we just pray together because we really believe that jesus is part of the strands the three strands he's part of our marriage now this watch this so couples come to me a lot 
and I hope this is never you. Couples come to me a lot. I'm telling you this because I want you to avoid this next story. Couples come into my office, and this is really what I do. You guys, hang with me because I'm going to tell you something pretty crazy. They come in as a couple. They're sitting on the either side, and they tell me all their marital issues, and they're not doing good, and they're not going to make it. They don't think they love each other anymore. And I will say this, and I will say it to the man. To the man and woman, see, I will say it to the man. I would say it to you young men who are here. If you came to me, I would put this on you. I'll say, do you ever pray with her? Here's what most of them will say, no. And I say, do you guys go to church? Are you Christians? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you guys believe in Jesus, but you never really talk to him. I mean, yeah, when we're having our food at McDonald's, I'll always pray, God bless our food. I'm like, no, no, no. That's not what I'm talking about. Do you pray together? No. And then I'll look at the guy and I'll say to him, why do you never pray with her? And here's what he'll say to me. Ready? This is really uncomfortable. That's what they say. It's just, it's really uncomfortable. Oh, what do you mean by that? Well, you know, I'm not, praying out loud's awkward. And, and you know, I, I don't know, I might say the wrong words. I mean, it's normal. I get it. I get why they say that. But then I got them. I got them because this is the next thing I say to him. So you never pray with her? No. Then I say, I really say this. Do you guys ever have sex? I really say this. Do you two ever have sex? And he'll go, yeah. And then I'll, I'll say, well, when you have sex, are you guys naked? And usually the wife will put her head down, you know. I'll say, no, no, no. When y'all have sex, are y'all naked? And he'll be like, usually. I mean, yeah. And then I'll say to him, Ready? You guys listen. This is very important. I'll say to him, is that comfortable for you? And he'll say, yeah. And then I'll say, let me say back what I just heard you say. This is what I say. Let me say back what you just said to me. Having her clothes off, having sex with her is very comfortable, but the thought of praying with her scares you to death. And this is what I'll say to him. You're focused on the wrong thing. Young men in here, listen to me. I'm not stupid. I know what you're probably being attracted to. You may not believe it, but I was 20 once. And I told you I fell in lust. I have discovered the best relationships are the ones that are built on the Spirit of God, not on the body. Every girl in here, men, listen to me a minute. Every girl in here wants to be loved on the inside before she's loved on the outside. I mean, they're saying amen. (laughs) I want you to get this right from the beginning. When you find the person that you want to marry, build spiritual relationship, leave the hookup out until you become one on your wedding day and honor the Lord. And here's what I'll tell you. This is, this is, I'm telling you men and hear the truth. Once I begin to care for Jane's spirit, okay, I begin to pray with her. She gave her body to me so much more freely. And I said to her one day, why are you, you seem to be way more like sexual. <laughs> like since I started praying with you, and she said to me, it's a lot easier to want to be with you. Because I know you love me on the inside before you love me on the outside. And I, that really happened. And I said to her, good Lord, I should have been praying years ago. And I want to say to you tonight, y'all ain't going to hear that a lot of places. Well, a lot of that a lot of places. But I want you to know that if you will value the spiritual more than the physical as you move into a marriage, potential marriage and dating relationships, value the spiritual, save the sexual for God's proper place, marriage, you will be way more blessed. Thank you for joining us for our special guest speaker this week. If you liked what you heard, be sure to connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Access RLC, and be sure to swing out Thursday nights at 7 p.m. in the ground floor at Resurrection Life Church.
Jesus. Ken's going to play the keys as soon as he does. The Spirit of the Lord is just going to fall in this place. And we're all going to get saved again. <laughs> Let me pray for you guys. Father, I thank you so much for how amazing you are, God. I thank you that it's your goodness and your kindness that leads us to repentance, Father. I thank you for the word that was sown here tonight, God. I thank you for all of the amazing practical truths that were shared. Father, I just pray in Jesus' name that they would be applied in each of our lives. Holy Spirit, would you just show us and teach us how to apply what we've learned here tonight, God, that it would lead us into transformation because it's not what we hear that transforms us. It's information plus the application that will lead to transformation. So, Father, I just pray that as we leave this place, we take the things that we've learned and we apply them immediately into our lives and that you'll bless it because it's your way. And we want to do your will. Let your will be done, not ours. God, I thank you for the marriages in this room. I, I just pray that you'd continue to strengthen them. Father, I pray that prayer would start to take place if it's not that love would be restored into areas of their relationship where it's lacking and that they would just make you the centerpiece of their marriage once again, God. If there's anybody in this room that needs to make Jesus Christ the Lord of their life tonight, it's pretty simple. God loved you so much that he sent Jesus to die for you and whoever believes in him will never perish but have everlasting life. And if that's you and you want to make that decision, you want to start doing things God's way, not your way. Because he is the way. He is the truth and he is the life. And if you want to make him Lord of your life, I want you to be bold. All eyes closed, heads, heads bowed. Be bold tonight and just raise your hand up in the air if that's you. So I can see it. I see your hand. I see that hand, that hand. I see all of them. I see all of them. Is there anybody else? Anybody else that wants to do that? Raise your hand up so I can see it. I'm just making a public acknowledgement that he is your Lord. Amen. I see it. I see them all. You can put them down. Let's all uh, say this prayer. Why don't you guys all repeat after me? Say, Jesus, I make you Lord of my life tonight. I confess that I'm a sinner and that I need a Savior. And I confess that you, Jesus Christ, are that Savior. Holy Spirit, invade every area of my life. I submit to your will and I cancel out my own. In Jesus' name. Amen. Give them a big hand, would you? Awesome. How about Dan Seaborn and Alan Seaborn? Were you blessed by them tonight? Awesome. I know I was blessed and I was challenging in, in a couple areas, so I want to thank you personally for being here. And I got off stage earlier when I was talking about having something praiseworthy. I said, it's just, you know, having you here is praiseworthy for me. That was, it was a big deal to have you here. So thank you so much for taking time out. I know you are a busy, busy man, but you have blessed us. So we thank you so much. And maybe sometime in the future, we'll have you back. You good with that? Awesome. Thank you. All right. If we could have our ministry team, uh, prayer team, if you guys would come on forward, we're going to have a, a prayer team up here. If you guys need prayer in any area of your lives, whether it's relationships or anything else, Feel free to utilize our prayer team. That's what they're here to do. They want to bless you and, and pray with you, stand with you, and whatever it is that you need prayer for. Also, new visitors, who, uh, who is here for the very first time tonight? Why don't you raise your hands up so I can see you? Raise them high. Awesome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Oh, go blue, right? Yes. Glad that you're here. Um, tell you what, for, for you new visitors, if you haven't done so, you can stop by our welcome table in the back. 
we have some stuff back there and actually want to bless you. We have a cafe that's going to be open and uh, you get a free meal on us whenever you want it. So you can take that with you. You could use it tonight. We're going to open up the cafe right now. And then next week, we got Pastor Eric and Maureen Sipperly with us. They're going to be talking about relationships. And it's just going to keep getting better and better every single week. So we do this every single Thursday, 7 p.m. in this room. We hope that you guys keep making it out. And I just want to say thank you so much for being here. We love you, we love you, we love you, and we will see you again next Thursday. God bless you. Have a great weekend. One more thing, one more thing. All eyes up, all eyes up. I forgot to mention something that's really, really important for this entire series is we're going to have, uh, we're giving you guys the availability and the option of texting in questions that you have regarding relationships, dating, anything, marriage. It could be anything, dating, marriage, meeting, courting, all of that stuff. So we should have the, uh, the text number right here. So if you guys want to take that number down, you can text this number, I believe, anytime during the week. Is that correct? And we're going to take those text messages, and here's what we're going to do. At the end of this series, which is going to be the final Thursday of the month, we're going to have a panel up here answering some of those questions that were texted in. So make sure that you do that this week. God bless you guys. Have a great weekend.
Jump, jump.